Discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Watch as scripture unveils the terrifying future of America and Great Britain as revealed through the sabbatical and jubilee years. Discover the identity of Assyria and its role in this final jubilee cycle. Learn of the pending judgments that are to be soon poured out as a result of transgressing the sabbatical years. Sighted Moon. Here's some of them. And this is the nicknames that became in Latin. Judah is also called Jupiter. We have a god called Jupiter somewhere in mythology. So some of your mythology that we hear has a basis of truth to it and gets perverted somewhere along the line. And that's why you should look at mythology and consider the facts and find out what's relevant and what's not and sort things out. Roma, guess who Roma is? Tamar. Well, I gave you the clue. I <laughs> can't ask you questions. Give you the answers. Roma is Tamar. So these are the nations right here. This is the boot of Italy. And if you search these names... This lineage is right there. From each generation, it's right there. You don't have to go far to find it. It's there. It's in our history books. Continuing down, here's another. So we're getting down to Silvis and Brito. I'm trying to speed up, so there's so much history here. And Brutus, so now Geoffrey of Mammoth. Does anyone know who Geoffrey of Mammoth is? He's the 8th century historian in England. So this is 8th century history now. He records a Brutus coming to England. And Brutus picked up a bunch of Trojans in all these different countries along the way. And he comes to Paris, and he fights the, the, the French, and they, they drive him back out. And he comes back, and he lands in this place called uh, Ludinium, or Light, or Luz. Luz, London, Ludinium. Now it's called London. Lundium. There we go. Thank you. I'm, I'm skipping my notes. I'm trying to go a little quicker now because you guys are all looking a little peaked. London. He found a place in London. In the center of London to this day is the church of St. Paul where Brutus founded and placed the stone. And it has this history in it that is so rich. And it's our history. And you check some of these places and he landed in these places. My family tree comes from Devon and uh, Somerset. And guess what? Yeshua lived in Somerset during those years that he's not in the Bible. How do I know? Because when you go to Somerset, and I got people that live in Somerset that read the newsletter and they tell me about it, there's a place there that talks about Yeshua and all the things he did. There's a little island down here called the Island of White. Guess who came there? Joseph of Arimathea, the uncle of Yeshua, uncle of Mary, the great uncle of Yeshua. So when Joseph died, the last known record of Yeshua is 12. When Joseph died, he took Yeshua with him and became his stepfather. And those boats that went around the Mediterranean and the Atlantic, it took three and a half years, they took Yeshua with them. Their first stop was the Isle of Wight for lead. You need lead to make iron for the Roman army. Josephus, or Joseph of Arimathea was a pro-council for Rome pro-council for Rome. How could he go to Pilate and not get killed? Because he's a pro-council for Rome, which means he's the most powerful man in Jerusalem. 
and he was also on the Sanhedrin. So he had these two things going for him. That's why he could go and claim the body, because he's both a relative, a proconsul, and on the Sanhedrin. But he took Yeshua here, and they have a song in the Isle of Wight, in the tin mines, the tin mines of Joseph. And they have a song about Yeshua. They have um, stained glass windows with a boy in a boat with Joseph of Arimathea coming to England. The boy has got red hair and a red beard and freckles. It's Yeshua. North American Indians got the same legend of a young man coming there to tell them about what's coming. We got, I got, I got calendars from Michigan describing the crucifixion of Yeshua, talking about him coming beforehand and telling him what's going to come and the pictures of a crucifixion afterward that the Indians made in Michigan. Just outside Sarnia. And the ruins are still there. Here's the St. Paul's. This is where Brutus, first capital was, in Londinium. Here's the stone inside there that describes these things and has all this history with it. And it's all right there. But people don't want to talk about it. So in the British libraries are all these old documents which have this history, and it's there. And these documents have been copied, and they're now in, online. You can read them. Okay, so I'm going a little bit quick, but prove this stuff. So then we come to the history, and you can take your history and lineal, uh, a genial, what am I trying to say? Lineal, genealogical, a direct line from King David down to the king and queen of England this day. It's there. I can trace my family tree all the way back to Adam and Eve. I have to go by tribes for a few hundred years, but I can do it now. And I wasn't trying to figure all this stuff out to figure out who Israel was. I was just trying to find my family tree. This is the king of England who knew of his Trojan bloodline. It's one of the only kings of England that admitted it. But right now, we're talking about, we left off, we're talking about the Trojan kings and how they are infiltrated, infiltrated throughout all of Europe. Because if you look at the kings and, king, kings and queens of, Eng, uh, not England, of Europe, they're all related. And how did that happen? It happens through the Trojan line. Now, how many of you trace your family tree? Wow. Okay, it says in the Bible you're not to spend time wasting time tracing your ancestry, but I did. Okay, arguing it. You should do that. Find out who you are. It's amazing. Don't make it a religion. Just do it as an interesting thing. And they've got computer systems now that you've already, all you've got to do is punch in your name and it's already done by somebody else. So this is Illyria. Now, this is the part of Europe, Asia, or the Aegean, and this is one of the places where Joshua chased the Canaanites to. Okay, I'm just in a little. This, I'm giving you an aside. I got rabbit trails everywhere now, and Joshua chased them here. And one legend that I read, he chased them all the way across to the coast of Portugal, trying to wipe them out. Now, some of those Canaanites, they survived. They lived here, and then they got pushed out by these other tribes moving in here. 
and they moved up to Northern Europe. And they were called, in Scotland, they were called the Picts. And remember I told you a little bit about Brutus? I'm really off my notes now. Now I'm going off the top of my head. Brutus took them and put them on a boat, took them all and put them on a boat and brought them over to North America. Today, we know them as the Iroquois. You know the Five Finger Lakes in New York? That's where they lived. Brutus brought them here from Europe. Why? To stop the fighting, so because they're gonna, it's almost going to get killed. I don't know why I went there. I just did. But there are North American Indians that aren't natural to North America. They came from Europe. But then there's other ones, such as the Cherokee, like I mentioned yesterday, that came from the Middle East, and they got stuck here because King David's empire fell after 586. So anyway, what we're showing you here is we're showing you all the places that the Trojan kings went to. And so I'm trying, and, and the detail, it's, it's in the details. Everything's in the details, and it's amazing. And what I'm offering to you all, every PowerPoint presentation that I'm showing to you, you only see what I want you to see, but I got notes here that are like my newsletters. <laughs> if you want the PowerPoints, ask and you'll get them. Okay, and then you can take this and take it to your assembly and share it, whatever you want. You can do this. You can double check. So here's the list of kings from Troy. And it comes down to Antenor. Nope, that doesn't. It comes down to Alexander. So we got two different lines. Exum of the Sumerians. Who are the Sumerians? The Sumerians, we haven't even touched on them yet. They're this other group of tribes over in the, what we now call Turkey. But the Trojans are working with them. Why? They're the same people. Remember, the Trojans come from the Greeks who came out of Egypt. And the Sumerians, I sure hope I didn't cut that part out because I thought I would have covered it by now. We're going to get to the Sumerians, I hope. But I got to go quick. This is Germany. And these are some of the kings of Germany. And we're getting into the, uh, the Franco kings. The amazing thing about the Frankish kings is that they come from the line of Judah, again, through the Trojan line. Its kings, all the Frankish kings, all wore long hair. Why? They kept their kingly office until the Pope suggested to the East Franks, the Germans, that they could gain the power over the Moravians by cutting the king's hair. Sound familiar? Why would that cause them a problem? Because the kings were being Nazarites. And when you cut the hair of a Nazarite, like uh, Samuel, no, not Samuel. Samson. Who? Samson. Samson, yes. I'm sorry, there's an echo here. It's amazing. There it is, right there. We got all these Moravian kings with long hair. Why? So that's the story of Troy, and that's really it in a nutshell, and I really didn't give it to you in detail because I, you know, I don't want you to fall asleep on me. See, Robert and I were talking at lunchtime, and he analyzed me pretty good. 
These are Americans, these are Canadians, these are Australians, these are Kiwis, New Zealanders, and this is their traits. I won't tell you what he said about Americans because you all still like them. <laughs> but he said about Canadians that were insecure. And he nailed me, right? Bullseye. Because I'm very insecure. I don't, I constantly don't think you're really interested. <clears throat> so I need, and what happened last night around the campfire, I needed that reassurance. Because I've been going to Israel and it's just me and a few people and we don't talk about this too much when I show them where the temple was and show them all this other stuff. And I show them a little bit of this and, yeah. But for me to see this number out here again this afternoon, it's, it's like, it's, I don't know, it stuns me. It just stuns me. Anyway, sorry, I'm off again. But I need the reassurance, so I'm glad to see us here. Who are the Spartans? Okay, we sort of went over the, the Trojans real quick. They are of the tribe of Simeon. They come from Lacedaemonia. Now, if you go to um, Stephen Collins, write this down, Stephen Collins, 10 Lost Tribes of Israel. That'll take you to his website, and he'll tell you a story. You go to Yair ya Davidi, Y. A-I-R-D-A-V-I-D-Y. Brit Am. And they have all this information. It's all there, your whole family tree. Who are the Spartans? The tribal emblem of the Danites was a snake with a serpent in its claw. And Josephus records a letter written by Lacedaemonian Greeks to the Jews in which they expressed their kinship to the Jews their seal that the tribe of Dan was affixed to the epistle, the eagle with a dragon serpent in its claws. Remember, we already saw that. Jonathan, the high priest of the Jewish nation, see, I said it was Eli, I was wrong. Jonathan, the high priest of the Jewish nation, to the Ephori and the Senate. The Ephori is like the house of chambers. And the Senate and the people of Lacedaemonia send greeting. When in former times an epistle was brought to Onias, who was then our high priest, concerning the kindred that was between us and you. Lacedaemonia writing to the Jews. A copy of which is here subjoined. We both joyfully received this epistle because we were well satisfied about it from the sacred writings. What sacred writings? From the Torah. They had the Torah. Yet did not we think fit first to begin the claim of this relation to you, the glory which is now given us by you, is a long time since this relation of ours to you hath been renewed. And when we, upon holy and festival days, these Greeks are keeping the holy days. Upon holy and festival days, offer sacrifices to God, we pray to him for your preservation and victory. You will, therefore, do well yourselves to write to us and send us an account of what you stand in need of from us, since we are all things disposed to act according to your desires. Antiquity of the Jews, 13, 5 and 8. Josephus record this letter. How come you're not taught this? 
Where's that in your history? Remember the symbol of Dan? Serpent in the claw. The Lacedaemonian Greeks are Spartans and they are Danites. But we have some more stuff. We have an interesting event in your Bible. Do you guys recall the story where the incident of the Moabite women? What did, what did, uh, no, not Ruth. They're standing there and they're talking about the Moabite woman and all of a sudden this, uh, this one Simeonite prince comes in with a Moabite woman, stands in front of these guys and then takes her to his tent and he's making love to her. And what does Phineas do? He takes a spear and shoves it through the both of them to stop the plague. Do you realize how big a deal that was? It's only like three, four lines in your Bible. This was a huge event. Here are the tribes of Judah, or tribes of Israel, at the first census and the second census. The first census was taken shortly after they left uh, Egypt. The second one now is right after this event. Look at the numbers. Reuben doesn't change. Simeon, who this prince was, changed by 37,000. Gad went down by five. Judah went down by two. Issachar went down by, or up by nine, or I mean Judah went up by one or two. Issachar went up by nine. Zebulun went up by three. Manasseh went up by 20. Ephraim went down by eight. Ephraim had the double blessing. Why did they go down by eight? This is over a number of years now. This is almost the 40 years in the wilderness. Why would Ephraim go down by eight? Benjamin went up by 10,000. Dan went up by 2,700. Asher went up by 11,000. Asher went up by 11,000 and Ephraim went down by 8. When you read these numbers, you just go, Foop, keep going, plow through it. I don't know what it means. Naphtali went down by 8,000. But the totals are only down by, when you add them all up, only down by 1,800. So you really don't notice it. But notice the tribe of Simeon. What did I tell you about Simeon? What was his symbol? The sword. Right? Simeon and Levi, the sword and the castle. The, the key to what happened in Numbers 26 is found in the previous chapter. In Numbers 25, we learn that Phineas, a Levite, and I just went through this, executed a prince of the chief house among the Simeonites. Okay. I'm from Canada. You're the Americans. We got a, an Australian tribe over there and a South African tribe. And our leaders, who are we going to pick on? Let's pick on the Americans. So South Africa and Australia and I were having a meeting. You know, there's a problem going on with the Moabite woman. So in comes the leader of the Americans and jumps in bed with this Moabite woman right in front of us. And this curse is coming. So we send our South African woman, Anna Marie, and she goes in and sticks a spear through the American. 
do you see a problem here with all the rest of you? You'd be up in arms. Because you really didn't think it was that bad. Because we're already intermingled a little bit anyway. This was huge. This was huge. And they up and they left. They up and they left. The Bible does not record which tribe suffered the most from that plague. Even if one assumes the Simonites bore the brunt of the plague, it does not begin to account for the drop in population of approximately 56,000 males of 20 years and older among the tribes which lost populations between the two censuses. Also, Numbers 25.9 records that 24,000 people died in the plague. It does not state that all those slain were males 20 years of age and older. This indicates that 24,000 men, women, and children of all ages died in the plague, and that perhaps 6,000 of that total were males 20 years and older. So where did the rest go? Are you getting a hint yet? You seen this movie? You haven't seen this movie? Spartans. The 300, the mighty 300? Yeah. The mighty 300 that held off the Persian Empire where from the tribe of Simeon. That's just an amazing story. Okay, so I'm not going to prove it to you here. I want you to go do some homework. I just want to show you that the numbers in your Bible happen to be real-life events in our history, or the Greek history, which is our history as well. But it's an amazing history. Your Bible is alive with history. You need to read it, and don't just uh, you know, read over it. If you don't understand it, go and find the answer. It's amazing. Okay, maybe you don't. I love history. I can't get enough of it. John 7, 34. You shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am you cannot come. This is what I mentioned about before. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where is he about to go that we shall not find him? Is he about to go to the dispersion of the Greeks? Unless you understand that the Greeks are the Israelite tribes that left before the Exodus and part of the Simeonite tribe that left during the wandering in the wilderness and even took other tribes with them, you wouldn't know what this means. And you just read right over it. That's, wow. The Dort is a dialect and a local lingo spoken here in the northeast of Scotland, especially around Aberdeen City in the county of Aberdeenshire. How many Scots are here again? Any Dorians? No Dorians? No Dorian dialect? The Dorians are the Simeonites who migrated from there to the boot of Italy and from the boot of Italy up to this spot here. It is because of listeners like you who have had the foresight to both pray for us and financially support this program that have allowed us to continue to teach others who are still looking for these truths. Because you have paid it forward, many are now able to hear this message and to learn these truths about the sabbatical and jubilee cycles along with the magnificent prophecies that reveal which could only be revealed in these very last days. 
When you support our efforts financially today, we are able to produce more radio and video teachings that help others who are waking up and beginning to look for the God that warned us of these curses that are already happening on the nightly news and of even worse, what is yet to come. You can send your support by going to our support page at www.sidedmoon.com or by mailing checks, bank drafts, or money orders made out to Joseph F. Dumond, P.O. Box 21007 RPO, 151st Street, Orangeville, Ontario, Canada, L9WS3O. On behalf of those yet to be called, we thank you for helping us get this end time warning out. <laughs>